the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If you are under the plan of God, the purposes of God, God's redemptive plan, His redemptive purposes, you are in a sweet place. You are in a place where God's disposition towards you is one of abundance, one of sweetness, one of delight, and one of joy. From Grace Bible Church, here in Hayward. Hi there, and welcome to the broadcast. This is Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand. Our time together today takes us to Luke chapter 13 and the first nine verses. Message simply entitled, A Parable in Honor of God's Patience, The Just Grounds for Men Perishing. It is a remarkable plan of kindness that we see laid out before us and a plan that comes with great expectation. And that's about as far as we'll get today, so please join us as we understand the just grounds for men perishing in their sins and what God does to remedy it. Here's Pastor Jessica Stan with today's broadcast of Way of Grace. We will be looking at a wonderful opportunity or occasion by which our Lord spoke at length to massive numbers of people before him. Luke's gospel is rich in its own unique narrative. And here before us in Luke 13, we are dealing with an account where the Lord has been preaching now at length. In fact, the context in which you and I are in presently starts way back at chapter 11, where our Lord Jesus Christ is ministering at large, and it came to pass that as he was praying a certain, in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And that's when he began his discourse on about four lengthy sermons, five actually, that lead up to where we are in chapter 13, with a ton of lessons that could be learned. But where we are now, in chapter 13, we want to look at these eight verses and raise the question, do we appreciate and value time? Do we appreciate the fact that God has created a thing called time for his glory and our eternal good? What I would really want to press home, if I, if I could assess a successfulness to my objective is that you learn that God gives us time for two reasons. Because he's a God of patience and a God of purpose. He's a God of patience and purpose. That's what we're going to be dealing with here. And within the streams of his patience and purpose, you and I live. You and I are encompassed about by the patience of God 
and by the purpose of God. And the question will be, is does God's patience cause you to be careful or careless? Does God's patience over your life, because he's been patient with you, does it cause you to be careless? Or does it drive you to be more careful about why God has been so good to you? Now, the way the chapter opens up is with a bunch of people sort of challenging Christ on what we would call the anomalies of life, tragedies and calamities and sufferings and difficulty that occur in our world. And if you know people like I know people, when people don't know God, they got a lot of questions for God. Why this and why that? And a lot of the questions they raise are irreverent. They're a lot of times irrational, but they are coming from a place of emotional insecurity because they realize intuitively that the way our world is shaped and functions and is governed and how the things that fall out in it do, that you and I are living a life of liability. At any time, something crazy or tragic could happen. Now, when it happens out there, nowhere near you, we sit in our judgment seat and determine whether or not God has been good or whether or not God has been bad, whether or not God has been fair or whether or not God has been just. And then we will seal ourselves in our Superman cape and act as if we were God, we wouldn't have done it that way. Right, you and I have a major disease called self-righteousness, which is really designed to preserve, to preserve ourselves from any culpability of accountability to God. See, we don't like when things are out of control, whether in our own life or in the life of others. It shakes us up. And here's where our Lord, after again, a lengthy series of preaching, is confronted by the people. And we read over in verse 1 of chapter 13 these words to set the context for what we're going to get into. There were present at that season some that told him of the Galileans, like he didn't know, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. They were, did you know that Pilate was such a monster? that he took a bunch of Galileans. Now, Jesus, you're Galilean, right? Hint, hint. You ought to have an emotional investment in what this pagan ruler has done to your people. Do you know he took a bunch of Galileans and just massacred them, slaughtered them, destroyed them, and mingled them in their own blood with their sacrifices, these pagans? Now, will you notice what's said in verse 2? Jesus answering and said, do you think that these Galileans were sinners above all Galileans because they suffered such things? You know what Christ just did right there? Expose them for being the judge of right and wrong. The fundamental assumption that people hold is bad things shouldn't happen to good people. 
And therefore, if this evil and calamity and judgment happened to them, they must have been worse sinners than us. And what our Lord is doing is leveling the playing field and helping the people that raise the question understand this. You are no different than them. You are no different than them. Your liability, your culpability, your momentary disappearance from this world could have been as abrupt and as evil and as wicked as these Galileans. Then he says, in order to add to his argument, which is going to prepare us for his parable to teach us a lesson on what I am calling the long suffering of God to men and women who don't deserve it. Now, you know, the title on your outline is a parable in honor of God's what? The just grounds for men what? Right. In my title, I had the just grounds for men and women going to hell that deserve it. But I said, let me back on up and make it a little bit nicer so y'all can handle a much nicer version. Our Lord says in verse 4, are those 18 upon whom the tower of Siloam fell and slew them, do you think that they were sinners above all men that dwell in Jerusalem? I tell you, no, except you repent, you shall in all, and likewise perish. You shall all likewise perish. You know what our Lord just did? He says, whether it be evil men who wake up one day with a demonically controlled and inspired heart to slaughter men and women in a pathological, sociological way, which we know happens around the world, right? Whether it be men who rise up in unbridled hatred for themselves and therefore slaughter their own fellow men, or whether or not there be natural disasters and natural calamities and, and things for which you can't blame another human being, taking out masses of people like tsunamis and, and earthquakes and tornadoes and all sorts of what we call divine acts. Whether it be human atrocity or whether it be divine acts, the reality is, are you ready? All of us are culpable and all of us are accountable for these two realities. We are accountable for the time that God has given us to live on this earth. We are accountable for the time that God has given us on this earth. And we are accountable for that, the life that we live in this time that God has given us on this earth. So I want to actually work with you through that. You can put this in your pocket. Here it is. Are you ready? God's patience, God's long suffering is rooted in God's character. That's his nature. You've learned that. I, the Lord God, the Lord your God, am a God of patience and long suffering. It's his nature. God is long suffering with humanity, is he not? He's long-suffering with us. But it never, ever means that we get away with our crimes. It never, ever, ever is meant to be that way. And so we want to think about today the patience of God and the purpose of God. You know, I have met people and I've heard from people personally who have come close to death. And I imagine that coming close to death is about as dangerous as can be. I, I think if a person is on the brink of crossing Jordan, unless you are absolutely sure where you are going, that ought to wake you up. And when you are drawn back from the doors of death, the bars of death, as the Bible calls it, you know what I've discovered? Those people take on a new lease in life. They largely will say to me, you know what? 
when I came out of that storm, when God gave me another chance to live, I began to value my life. I changed my priorities. I made some things straight in my life, and I got to move it in another direction. Good for you. Good for you. That's precisely why God let you live. But now their extended life, whether they did the right thing or not, it still doesn't change the fact. Are you ready? That how you live, whether you live a long life or a short life, whether your death is the consequence of old age and you go to sleep in the hands of the Lord or in a quiet space, you still are going to have to give an account for your life. And that's what the parable is about in front of us. So remember now, we are dealing with two unavoidable, sovereign, and immutable realities on God's part. The patience of God and the plan of God. The patience of God and the plan of God. Now let me set the proposition and move into our points. God's patience is filled with his goodness. God's patience is filled with his goodness. And God's plan is filled with his sweetness. What he's about to teach us in this parable is that God is patient because God is good. And that God's plan is a plan of sweetness and delight and joy. And everybody that is under the auspices of his patience should hurry up and get involved in God's plan because God's plan is sweet, delightful, and joyful. Did y'all hear that proposition? This is where our Lord is going. He says over in verse 6, and he spake this parable, a certain man had a fig tree planted in a vineyard, and he came and he sought fruit thereon and found none. Then said he unto the dresser of the vineyard, behold, these three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why does it cumber the ground? And he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also until I have digged about it and dunged it. And if it does not bear fruit, or if it does bear fruit, good. And if it does not bear fruit, then you shall cut it down. The parable is about time and purpose. Point number one in your outline, work with me, because as I was working through this message, I was sitting at my breakfast table, thanking God for his goodness in my life as I was simply reading the Bible for the joy of it. That's the first reason you read it, because God's talking to you, and it's a wonderful story, isn't it? And then I come across our Lord dealing with all of these religious folk and discover that the Lord has inherent in this parable some truths that you and I need to take into consideration. First is point number one, a remarkable plan of what? Kindness. A remarkable plan of kindness. When our Lord said in verse 6, part A, a certain man had a fig tree planted in a vineyard, I want you to get this. What Christ just stated to these people was very common to them. They would have known about fig trees and they would have known about vineyards. But when Christ conflates a vineyard with a fig tree, he's teaching us something about the character of God's plan. Please listen to me. If you are under the plan of God, the purposes of God, God's redemptive plan, his redemptive purposes, you are in a sweet place. 
You are in a place where God's disposition towards you is one of abundance, one of sweetness, one of delight, and one of joy. Don't let the parable escape you. The parable is about a vineyard. A vineyard is that, that land filled with what? Grapevines everywhere. Cascading the mountains. Grapevines everywhere. Anybody with me? Grapevines everywhere. Now, the grapevine has already been told to you and I to be one of the hallmarks of that land of milk and honey. Is that right? When God said to Israel, when I bring you into the land, you're going to be coming into a land of abundance a land of fullness, a land of blessing, a land that you didn't labor for, a land that you didn't toil for, a land that you didn't work for, a land that God brought you in because God himself planted that land. He created that land. He produced that land. And when we think about God's purposes being rooted in his goodness, what we come to discover is when God brings you into the auspices of his purpose, he means for you to be able to acknowledge God has been good to me. God has been very good to me. And I do want you to smell. I want you to taste. I want you to get the texture of the parable because the parable is about you and I if we're partakers of the kingdom of God. Amen? And when God uses, when Christ uses the term fig trees and vine trees, he might as well went on and used the other third of the triad. Do you know what that is? The olive tree. Because Israel would have been completely tutored in this reality. God brought them out of bondage from Egypt and planted them in a land where olive trees and vine trees and fig trees were in abundance because God means for his people to know that he is a God of joy and delight and abundance and fullness. Now, let me ask you the question as we deal with our points. Do you perceive God to be so good to you that he's sweet? Do you find God to be so good to you that he's delightful? Do you find God to be so good to you that you are satiated with his fullness, with his fatness, with his glory? Because that's what all these trees are indicative of. The nature and character of the kingdom of God and God himself and the life of the people of God. Have you, have you partaken of the olive tree? I have. The olive tree represents the spirit of the living God. He is the anointing of God by which God brings men and women into an experiential reality of God's grace in their life. And I can say with the psalmist, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. The Lord is good. That's what we read in Psalm 34, verse 8. Pull up Psalm 27, 13. I want to read just a few around this subpoint. God's purposes are rooted in his what? His goodness. Listen to it. I had fainted, David said. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the what? Goodness of the Lord in the what? You know what David had learned in walking with God? If I wait on God, his goodness will show up and deliver me out of my troubles. Anybody been with me in the summer studying Psalm 27 knows this. It opens up with David crying out to the Lord. David in trouble. His enemies wanting to take him out. And all he wants to do now is get to the house of God. Because in the house of God, where the truth is proclaimed, you can be told once again that God is your shield. God is your buckler. God is your stronghold. God is your hiding place. God is your strong tower. 
Great peace have all they that know the sheltering grace of God. And David said in Psalm 27, 4, all I want to do is dwell in the house of God to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his goodness. David knew the safest place for the people of God to be is in the presence of God. And then he goes on to talk about how in the temple he had come to discover that all God's counsel comes to us about our trials. We can come to church fearful and doubting, worried and perplexed, and the spirit of prophecy can let you know that it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. And by the time you walk out the door, you have been guided by God's counsel. He has taken you by his right hand. He has let you know, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And you go out of the place of fellowship saying what? The Lord is good. The Lord is good. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And we quote it all the time in our prayer service. It's Psalm 107. I just want you to hear one of them. Psalm 107, verse 8. You should get this one by heart because it's beautiful. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. If nobody else is going to praise him, the redeemed people of God ought to praise him and thank him for his goodness in their life. In fact, he expects you out of all people to laud him and glorify him and exalt him for his very goodness in your life. Now let me ask you the question, has God been good to you? Then let somebody know it. Let somebody know it. Let somebody know it. So we have before us a, a patient parameter on the part of God's nature. He's patient with men because he has a purpose, doesn't he? A remarkable plan of kindness. Subpoint B, I have described the vineyard of grapes and figs to be sweet and to be delightful. Now we have the interpretation of this given to, the, to us in the book of Judges under a parable, Judges chapter 9. I want you to hear it for yourself and take this interpretation and understand that what I mean by being able to grasp the concept of grapes and figs, Judges 9, will help us underscore it. These are three trees talking about wanting to raise up a ruler. Let's start back at verse maybe 9. Let me see if we have a little bit of context. But the olive tree said unto them, them are all of the other trees of Israel. The olive tree is a person. And the people are asking the olive tree to rule over them. Now here's what the olive tree says. Should I leave my fatness? My full, see, now, can I say something right here? You folks that are a little bit conscious about your weight, stop it, okay? The word is a very valid word, okay? Don't get mad at me or God because we use the word fat, all right? There are lots of benefits to fatness. Now, I'm not going to get into any kind of health issues here, but I do want you to know it runs all through the Bible. I wish every soul in here were fat. I mean, just, just wealthy, full, voluptuous, overflowing with God's riches and goodness as a consequence of the Holy Ghost. So that you're so full, you're dripping. You're dripping out. Everywhere you go, you drip. You're dripping out. The oil of gladness and the oil of fullness, and the oil of consecration, 
and fellowship with your God, your God, communion with your Savior by the Spirit of God. Because it's not by power, nor by might, but by my Spirit. See, and so what the olive tree said is, am I going to leave my fatness wherewith by me they honor God and man? He knows he holds a very critical office, doesn't he? Now, why am I going to rule over you knuckleheads when I got a great position right now? That's the olive tree, and it runs all the way through your Bible. And go and be promoted over the trees. Verse 10, here it is. And the tree said to the fig tree, ah, here we go. They move on from the olive tree, and they go to the fig tree. And the fig tree said, and the tree said to the fig tree, come thou and rule over us. Verse 11. But the fig tree said unto them, should I forsake my sweetness? See, you know, one of the things we've been talking about at Grace for a couple of years is the only way you can be productive in your service to God, are you ready, is to know your identity. The only way you can really be productive for God in your service to Him is to know your identity and know your gifting. Such a wonderful time here in God's Word. It's our hope and prayer that you're growing in grace as you take the time to study God's Word with us. We thank you for joining us. This is Way of Grace, the ministry of Grace Bible Church in Hayward. We would leave you with an invitation. If you enjoyed the time you've had with us today studying God's Word, please consider this a formal invitation to join us in person. Sunday services at Grace Bible Church in Hayward are at 11 a.m. Sunday schools at 10. And then, of course, the Friday Bible study. We've got a lot of folks from all over and from a variety of churches joining us Friday evenings at 8 p.m. for this Bible study. You're invited to either one. We're located at 20450 Royal Avenue. That's here in Hayward. And the zip code is 94541. You can also get directions at our website, grace-bible.com. Again, that's grace-bible.com. Or simply call for directions, 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. As always, we have CDs available. You can download the messages off our website or call us and order a CD of today's broadcast or any program that you have heard here on Way of Grace. We'd be more than happy to get one out to you. You can call us at 510 886 9782 or stop by our website grace-bible.com we do thank you for spending time with us today trust we'll see you next time we get together for another broadcast of way of grace with pastor jessica stan three-star general michael j flynn head of the pentagon intelligence agency knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.